0: Well, hey, welcome to The View. Our series has been Can't Stop the Feeling. We're walking through emotions in this. Praise God for the amount of conversations we've had about this topic. It truly has been encouraging to hear so many of you say that this is speaking to you, that the Lord is doing something in your heart. It's also been alarming to me the amount of you who have told me you've never heard this talked about in church. (laughs) That's a big red flag, not not just Bellevue specific, but the big C church, the church as a whole. We got to do better in America. We got to do better about talking about the things that are happening in real life day to day. And that's the heart of this series. The last three weeks are on the podcast. If you haven't heard those, I would encourage you to go check them out. But let me tell you where we are tonight. The title of our message, if you're taking notes, is FOMO. FOMO. If you don't know what this means, you might not be Gen Z or millennial, this stands for the fear of missing out. The fear of missing out. There's four big emotions, if you study it, that we tend to experience, and there's a lot of ones underneath it. Fear is a big one. Then there's joy. Then there's sadness. And then there's, I'm blanking. Anger, Anger that's right. Blanket man. Whew. Anger. Fear is a big one. We've talked about joy a lot in the last few weeks We've talked about joy a lot. Last week, we talked about the highs and the lows and sharing praises with people, sharing suffering with people. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about these other three specific ones. We're going to talk about anger. We're going to talk about sadness. And tonight, we're going to talk specifically about fear, that being the fear of missing out. Now, if you have your Bibles, I hope you do get as excited with me as you can and open up to Genesis chapter 3 tonight. Come on. And as we look at Genesis chapter 3, we're going to look at probably a familiar text to you in some capacity and we're going to cross-reference to Romans chapter eight as well. You can put a marker in your Bible there for Romans chapter eight if you need to. We'll be turning there in just a moment. But I want to look at the fall. I want to look at the temptation of Adam and Eve in the garden when the serpent comes to them and see what we can find from this. Now, when you talk about the fear of missing out, this is a very popular slogan. It's very known by your generation and by mine. We all struggle with this in some form or fashion. It creeps, us on, uh, creeps up on us when we least expect it. Nobody prepares for FOMO. It hits you. That's the whole reason it's so powerful, is it creeps up on you. It hits you fast. Most times you don't even realize that's what you're wrestling with, right? You see something on Instagram. You see somebody hanging out. You see a friend group together, and you weren't included, and you feel this fear. You feel this emotion well up in, welling up in you, right? It, it oftentimes is fear, worry, etc. but a lot of times it is this. It's what our generation has described as the fear of missing out. Well, it comes up when you least expect it. I remember in the summer of 2021, we were preparing for our first Denver mission trip, as I talked about a minute ago, an opportunity to serve. And I remember everybody had to be COVID tested when they went on the trip. You remember these days, that's when they would woo, put that thing up your nose and you would just, I would just cry like somebody had died. I couldn't stand it. They'd go all the way up your nose and I would die. And that's when you had to be tested to go on the trip. And I remember getting tested, I think we left on a Saturday and I got tested on like a Monday, like the week before. And I remember Tuesday and Wednesday waiting on my test to see because if you had COVID, you couldn't go on the trip. Now, I was a team leader. I had been working on this. I was excited to launch this trip. And I remember being so afraid that I was gonna test positive. And I also had it in my head, to tell you the honest truth, that how my luck would go, everybody else on the trip would be negative, including my wife, and I'd be the only positive. <laughs> all right? well, you usually go to the worst case scenario. I remember sitting in the car, waiting on the COVID email, and thinking to myself, I've planned this trip, I've prayed over this trip, I worked on this trip for months and months and months and months, and everybody's gonna go, including my wife, and I'm gonna have to stay home. And I would rather, honestly, selfishly, to be real with you, rather the trip not happen than everybody else go have a great experience and me stay home. I'm just being honest, all right? I'm just being honest. And I'm not the only one in the room. You know exactly what I'm talking about. What it was truly was the fear of missing out on a really incredible opportunity. And man, it paralyzes you almost. You also don't know how to verbalize it to people because you sound selfish. It would have sounded real selfish if I'd sat in the car with Hannah and told her, man, if I test positive, I hope you do too. (laughs) There's no coming back from that. You're not going to dinner after that. right? You're getting cooked out on the way home and you're not talking at the house. Right? So it's hard to even verbalize when we go through this sometimes. And so what I want to do is I want to take some, some biblical approaches as to why this happens and what we can do about it. And so now what we know about Genesis chapter 3, we're at the very beginning of the Bible. We know that this is the temptation and the fall of Eve and Adam. And this is when the serpent comes to them. And what I want to pose to you tonight, when I want to give you as a possibility from God's word tonight, is that we are going to see that FOMO is included in the temptation that the serpent provides to Eve. Ultimately, pride is the great fall. But what you're going to see is there is FOMO that is all over Genesis chapter 3. What do I mean by that? Let's read God's word and let's find out. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 says this. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? He drops Lord God, he doesn't call him Lord God, he just calls him God, changes his title. The woman said to the serpent, and she gets it wrong, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. She didn't truly know what God's word was about this situation. How many of you know that a lack in understanding God's word will lead you into a lack of applying what God's word says, right? You can't live out what you don't know, truly, you can't. The servant says, no, you will not die. The servant said to the woman, in fact, watch this. God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. In other words, you are missing out. <laughs> this is what he goes on to say. You will, know, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse six says, the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and that it was desirable for atta- obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of them both were open, and they knew they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So let's ask this question right here based on the temptation we see in Genesis chapter 3. Let's ask this question. The question is, what causes you to feel FOMO? This is the question I want you to write down. What causes you to feel FOMO? Does God's Word speak into this? Does God's Word tell us why we experience something that is very Gen Z and millennial, FOMO. We talk about it a lot. One of our volunteers who volunteers with us on our serve team on Monday nights, who who comes early, made a great point that our generation is very visual. We see a lot of times when everything else is happening on social media without us, and that right there causes a lot of FOMO. A lot of our older parents, our generations, they didn't necessarily have social media. They couldn't see when everybody was hanging out with them. They didn't always go through that. We do. And so here's a big thing. What causes you to feel FOMO? This is the first big idea that I want to send you home with. And here it is. <clears throat> believing that God is withholding good from you. Believing that God is withholding good from you. <clears throat> first thing that causes FOMO for us as believers is the believing that God is withholding good from you. Now, what you see the serpent do when he comes to Eve is he convinces Eve she's missing out on something. But even greater than that, don't miss the temptation that's really at hand. The enemy is convincing Eve that God is withholding good from her. The lie here is that God has not truly given her all the good that he could give and that she's missing out. Truly, the temptation is that there is so much more you could know and experience and live and have, but God's not giving it to you. He says, No, you will not die. God has lied. God is not telling you the truth. That's the great lie here is that God is withholding good from you. Now, understand, for us, a lot of us, that's how the fear of missing out poses itself, especially if you're a believer. I want to talk to believers in the room. If you're not a believer, I pray that you would give your life to Jesus tonight, that you would consider that. But I want to tell you, if you're living for God, For a lot of us, man, if we're honest, a lot of FOMO comes in believing that God is not giving us what we're owed. That we're not getting what God has promised us. That God's not coming through. We believe a lot of times that God has not given us what's truly best for us. We believe a lot of days that, man, God is keeping something from us, right? That that God's not really giving us something that we want or need, right? And that's a big temptation. Now, that can be a person, right? It's Valentine's week. Man, I remember when I was single on Valentine's Day. I used to hate couples. <laughs> so look at couples, man. I was like, stop holding hands. <laughs> you know? Because there's always something. Whatever you don't have, you want. Whatever you don't want to have, you want. And I'm not the only one with Valentine's Week. There's a lot of us in the room who, if we're honest, we're just going to cut real to the chase here. A lot of us would love to have a relationship or be in a relationship, but we are nowhere near spiritually and mentally prepared for that yet. But we want it. And we feel like the reason why we're not in a relationship, it has to be because God is keeping something good from us. There's no way there could be any good in my singleness, right? That's why every single sermon you hear on singleness is, man, singleness is a gift. Singleness is a gift. That's like the only point we give in every message about it. Why? Because nobody believes it. (laughs) That's the lie we have to fight. Nobody takes God at his word when he says singleness is a gift. Marriage is always better. Dating is always better. Engaged is always better. There's always a better season. So, fear of missing out can quite literally be you wanting to be married, but you're not there yet. That's fear of missing out. And that goes back to your belief in whether God is good or not. Because a lot of times we believe if God has not given me a marriage, then I must be doing something wrong. God must not be happy with me, God must not be pleased with me. We do the same thing with dating. Sometimes, when we're in a relationship with dating, we wish we were single, right? The grass is always greener. For some of us, it's the other side of the coin. Some of us were like, man, woo, singleness was a gift. (laughs) I didn't listen, right? We're just being honest. That's how we are as humans. The grass is always greener. When you have a dog, you want a cat. When you have a cat, you want a dog. When you have neither, you want both. When you have both, you want neither. It doesn't matter. When you have an SUV, you want a car. When you have a car, you want an SUV. It doesn't matter. I preached a message in December to our whole church on the grass is not always greener. Let me tell you something. FOMO has led a lot of people to not trusting the Lord with where they are in life. For you, he, he comes to Eve and he says, you're missing out. God is withholding good from you. And that shapes a lot of people's bad theology. A lot of people believe that God is a God of confusion. Say, Daniel, I'd never say that. Do you walk around confused a lot? The devil is the author of confusion. I know we're not pursuing him. So if we're walking around confused, a lot of times we're giving in to the enemy's temptation, walking around with this belief, giving giving God the credit for it when it's the enemy in our flesh attacking us. No, God is not a God of confusion. God is not a God of chaos. I'll tell you this too theologically, God is not a God of riddles, He's not a God of puzzles. He's not a God of chaos or confusion. God is not playing mind games with you on your life and what you have and what you don't have. But there's a lot of us in this season who believe that God is trying to get us to crack some code or check some box or amount to something before he gives us what we want from our prayers. If that's how prayer works, then God is a genie in a bottle and we should all start making a bunch of wishes. We should all go outside and wait till we see a shooting star because that's not how the Lord works. See, the Lord is not playing mind games with you. The Lord is not asking you to solve some big riddle. You know what he's asking you to do? Love him, obey him, love your neighbor, share Jesus with him. That's what he's asking you to do. To love him, obey him, love your neighbor, share, your Jesus, with, share Jesus with your neighbor. That's what he's asking you to do. When we're not doing that, we're not in his will. But a lot of Christians walk around so confused and in chaos because we think we have to crack some code with God. So do you believe that God is withholding something good from you? I'll tell you what, Eve did. That's a big reason Adam and Eve did. That's why we're a big reason we're all here in sin and chaos is because humanity thought that God was withholding good. Don't tell me this isn't practical to your life. Do you believe that God is withholding a financial blessing for you? You think you have to crack a riddle in order for God or do these amount of works and then ah, I'll get the big financial relief that I need. Do you believe that God is withholding a friendship or a relationship from you? That, hey, he's not going to give you this until you do X, Y, and Z. And that's why every time you go to God in prayer, it's like, all right, how do I get good enough? How do I say the right thing in prayer? For some of you, it might be a job. That God would withhold something good from you in a job because he doesn't truly have your best interests at heart. I'll tell you, that's not just an attack on who God is. That's an attack on God's love. Because God loves you. God cares for you. So to take ourselves back to the truth of what God's word says, let's look at Romans chapter 8, an amazing text in the Bible. You can go ahead and flip there. That's fine. I want you to read it yourself with with your eyes on your Bible because God's word in Romans chapter 8 tells you exactly what God does with you and with what's good. And it's not trying to get you to solve a riddle. It's trying to get you to obey him and walk with him. So this will be on the screen if you're not there in your Bible. I love these verses in Romans chapter 8. Verse 28 says, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. This is an amazing verse. Look at what is required for all things to work together for good. What's the requirement for all things to work together for good? For those who what? Love God. First command. Greatest command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That truly loving God is what God asks us to do. Not just because he wants to love us, but because it's what's best for us when we love him. And then it says, who are called according to his purpose. Let's go to the next one. We jump to verse 31. It says this, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. There's a lot of us in this room who believe that God won't give us what we desire and what we hope for and what we pray for, but he did not spare his own son. Why would he spare you and me of a great blessing or a great opportunity? We're going to talk about that in a minute. Why do we believe this lie? It says, how will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, as it is written, because of you we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. And then some incredible verses. I'll be preaching through these at Catalyst for our our weekend worship Coming up here at Bellevue, verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Isn't that an amazing promise? Man, God is not withholding forgiveness to you when you repent. No, what does Romans chapter 8, verse 1 say? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. God does not withhold grace and mercy from you every time you ask for it. That's a really good God. That's a really good God that every time you repent, you find grace and mercy and restoration. That's a really good God. God's not just a good God. He's really good at being God too. And if he is not short on grace and mercy for you when you repent... Why do you and I question so much that he would keep good things from us? Let me give you a few reminders from Romans 8 specifically. Here's the first one. A is that God is for you. God is for you. And some of you came here tonight in the snow and ice and rain and the, and the tornadoes and the tsunamis and the tidal wave and everything that's happening outside of Memphis right now because you need to hear this. I truly believe in my heart that The enemy probably tried to keep you from coming here tonight, and I believe this is probably the truth that the Lord wants you to go home with tonight. He is for you. How do you know that, Daniel? The Bible says so. Romans 8 says that God is for us. Who can be against us? What does that mean? That means God is for you. He loves your soul. He loves the emotions that he has given you. He loves the brain he has given you. He loves the life he has given you. He loves loves the opportunities to know your family and loved ones that he has given you. God is for you, that God cares about you. He knows you, and he wants to see you, watch this, succeed and thrive. He wants to see you grow. Now, does that mean that he desires for every single one of us to be famous, be a millionaire, and have all the luxuries in the world? No, that's bad theology. That's a real bad theology, and it'll leave you really hopeless after a while if you believe that. But the best thing that God can give you anyway, it's not a car, mansion, opportunity to be known by the world. The greatest thing God can give you is to be known by the one who created the world. And guess what? You're not short on that opportunity. You are not short on the opportunity to know him, which is number one, the greatest blessing. And you're not short on him knowing you, which is probably the second greatest blessing. That we would be known by Jesus and that we would know Jesus. God is for you. That's why He has made Himself known to you. If God wasn't for you, He would not have shown Himself to us. If God was not for us, He would have stayed distant and uninvolved in His creation. We have a God who has gotten very involved in His creation, so much so that He wants to hear about your day in the morning. That's a crazy, good, loving God. (laughs) He cares for you. He is for you. So with your life, with marriage and family and jobs and all these things that you desire that are good and godly things, God is not keeping these things from you just because they are not available to you right now. Just because you and I don't have something right now doesn't mean that God isn't going to bring it towards us if it's his will. If you and I sailed across the Atlantic, if we went from America all the way across the Atlantic, well, halfway through, we don't know if we're gonna get to land. We haven't seen it yet. But that doesn't mean we aren't progressing forward towards it. You're on a journey, you're on a path. God is walking with you through something right now. Man, are you grateful for it? So the first thing to hear is that God is for you. He loves you, He cares for you. He's not sitting far off, distant away, laughing at you as you struggle. He's not sitting far off away saying, man, why are they fearing missing out again? Why aren't they present this season? No, he's he's asking for you to come close. He's asking for you to draw near. But not just that, though. Let me get a little more specific. B, God's will is for you to bring him glory. God is for you in the sense that you bring him glory. Glory. So God can be for you and also not for everything you do. Did you know that? It's biblical through the model of a family. See, your mom and dad can be for you as a person, as a child, and still not be for everything you do. See, my mom and dad did not agree with many of the decisions that I made that were wrong decisions. Decisions that I would disobey my parents growing up. But just because they would discipline me and show me consequences of that decision didn't mean they weren't for me. Why? Because the discipline and those consequences, even as hard as they were, were to show me that they care about me and they have my best interests at heart. Is it possible that God allows us to be disciplined and to go through tests? Because that's what's best for us. Sometimes. See, God is for you, and God's will is for you to bring him glory. So I'll get practical. There may be things you don't have there may be things you are missing out on. There may be things God has not given you. The reason why may be is because if you had it, you wouldn't glorify him. Theologically, if you and I wouldn't take a blessing and turn it into a praise, he might not give it. And that's for our protection and that's for his glory. See, if all of us had all the power and freedom in the world, our sin would probably lead us to making some really bad decisions. If you had everything in your life that you had ever asked God for over the years, you'd have a lot of regrets. If God answered every prayer with a yes that you've ever prayed, right when you prayed it, you'd have a lot of regrets tonight. I would, I wouldn't be here, I don't know where I would be. See, there are some things that God may not give us Because we wouldn't glorify him with it. Why? Because Romans 8 says, those who love God, his ultimate purpose for you is to glorify his kingdom. So take that now and understand, that's not God withholding good from you. But that's how we view it. A lot of us, if we're not prepared for a certain career yet, and God is still molding us and shaping us for that job, we believe if he doesn't give us that job, he's keeping something good from us. No. If God were to allow you to have something Right, If he gave you a gift and then you immediately turned it into a selfish sin, that's not a good God. He's he's making you fall. See, he's allowing us to grow and to learn. And that's an amazing thing. God does not withhold good, but he does allow us to go through tests. He does allow us, our faith specifically, to be tested. He allows us to be disciplined. But it's all for his good and his glory. And he loves us and he cares for us. So you have to understand a big reason why sometimes our prayers don't seem to be answered or we hear a wait is because we're going to take that and immediately turn it into sin. You have to be careful. That's exactly what happened in the garden. Matthew 5 verse 16 says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Your good works. To do good for him, to bring him glory, and then the second, and the third thing is this: See, God's timing is always perfect. God's timing is always perfect. A big fall that we see here in Genesis chapter three is that she buys a lie. God is withholding good from her. Now let's stack these truths and see if we believe them. Well, God is for us. He loves us. He cares about us. His ultimate thing is that His God's will for you is to bring Him glory. Which means there's some things God does not give us because we're not going to use them to glorify him. But there's the gray area for a lot of us where we struggle. What about the good things we're praying for that we want to glorify him in? Which would be marriage, a job, a career, an answer to the direction for our lives, an answer on what we're supposed to do now. Good things that we would turn and glorify him with and yet still our prayers don't seem to be answered. I mean, true, let's be honest in the room. Have you ever prayed a prayer and then felt like God was ignoring you and not answering it? Have you been there? And I have. Listen, if you haven't, you haven't prayed long enough. <laughs> you haven't been alive long enough. You haven't prayed big enough prayers. If you have not had heard a no or a wait, you have not prayed big enough prayers in your life. I have heard wait many, 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 many times. And what we have to trust is that God's timing is perfect. God doesn't miss. God is batting a thousand at timing. You know why? Because you and I aren't all knowing, but he is. His timing is perfect. There may be a good gift and a good blessing, That you're praying for and you want and you feel that FOMO. You feel like you're missing out on something that God has not given you yet. And he's not telling you no like what you're hearing. He's telling you wait. Wait. I'm doing something in you right now that's going to set you up better for when you do have that. I'm growing and sanctifying you to be more like Christ. So when you do get there, you'll be thankful for it. (laughs) See, some of us aren't getting to the blessing because we're not being obedient in the present. Truly, if we would obey, that doesn't mean go please God in every single way, absolutely just like selling out and being a robot. That means obeying God, saying yes, spending time with him, loving him, and knowing him. We would begin to see the the fruit of his promises begin to unfold in our lives. In his timing, Scripture is very clear that his ways are higher than our ways. We serve a God who is greater than we are. Psalm 27, verse 14 says this, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. Again, wait for the Lord. And then a couple of verses that a man who discipled me who passed away about a year and a half ago would text me these verses every week. I have text messages from him of these verses every single week. It's Lamentations 3, verse 25 to 26. It says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the person who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. I want to make one more statement to you. Because I do know that in your season, many of you are waiting on God to maybe give you an answer to something, maybe direction, maybe a person. Maybe you're waiting on, on God to answer. I want to tell you a word that I believe is true, just as true today as it always has been. When God allows us to wait, it's in that waiting that sometimes he does some of his best work Internally. It's in that season of waiting. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You're not in your head. It's in that season of waiting on God that some of us, watch this, it's crazy. Praying for three months and waiting for the Lord. Sometimes we are such fragile people, after that three months, we don't even want the thing we were praying for anymore. See, sometimes God has to make you wait to show you why he's not going to answer that prayer. And the reason why is you didn't really want him to answer it anyway. If you're hearing wait, man, let me tell you, that's a hard answer to accept from God, but it's a great answer. Because what God is wanting to do is he's wanting to work on you. He's wanting to speak to your heart. He's wanting to soften your heart. He's wanting to draw you to him. And then after that time of waiting, here's what will happen, one of two things. You'll either want that answer to that prayer even more, so much so that you rely on him. Or you realize, you know what, I got so much of God out of this, I didn't even need the answer to that prayer anyway. He just wanted more of me. (laughs) Is it possible that some of our prayers on the other end of that prayer, after seeking God more in the waiting, we realize we didn't even want that prayer anyway. We just wanted God and we got more of him. So if God has told you to wait, that is not God withholding good from you. It's God using his timing, his, his power over time to sanctify and make you more like Jesus. There's three answers to prayer. Yes, no, and wait. And if God says any of them, no matter how bad my flesh doesn't like it, his answer is better than mine anyway. You got to get to a point where you believe that. You got to get to a point where you have that kind of faith, where I have that kind of faith. That if it's a no, I'm okay because I still have God. See, anything we get from God, Anything in this world is a resource. Everything is a resource. God has created all things. He's provided resources for us. Resources of encouragement, resources of love, resources of community. But don't ever place your faith in a resource to be your source. There's one source. One source of life. One source of hope. One source of love. And everything flows from that one source. And I want to tell you, if your hope is in that source, if your hope is in Jesus, you will accept whatever good he does give and whatever you whatever he doesn't give because you're going to trust that he's the perfect gift giver anyways. So that's the first thing. That's number one. The number one lie we believe is that God is withholding good from me. And that leads us to not knowing God intimately, not trusting God intimately, and not really living for him. But there's a second one. There's a second lie. And this is even more practical to 2024. This is even more practical to yours. And it's this. Believing you can find good apart from God. This is the second thing we see in Genesis chapter 3. So number one, let me recap. Believing that God is withholding something good from you. Do you believe he's keeping something from you that you're owed? You're missing out on a blessing from him. You're missing out on an answer from him. Or number two, do you believe you can find good apart from God? See, with Eve... That was fully the temptation of the serpent, right? The serpent said, hey, if you will go around God, you have so much more at play. That was the the temptation. The serpent said, there's a great gift for you. There's a great thing for you, but you have to go around God to get it. Man, I know I'm not the only one in the room who has experienced that temptation. For 21 years of my life, especially in college, that's how I lived, I lived my life like I could find good apart from God, like I could find the people I was meant to do life with, find the person I was supposed to marry, find the job that I was supposed to work, find all these great things about my life, and I was trying to do it apart from God. Why? Because if you're not following him as Lord, you get to be your own Lord. And I was making all the decisions. And guess what? Those decisions were trash. Lo and behold, without the Spirit of God, I'm a terrible decision maker. I eat way too late at night. That is my flesh. One to walk in the kitchen and grab some food. There's nothing good in that. There's no reason for me to eat late at night. That's not doing any good for me. I'm just sleeping on it. It's not doing me any good. If you leave me without the Spirit of God, I'm a terrible decision maker. And I love you, but you are too. You are too. No matter how high and mighty you may view yourself, tonight may be a night where you come down a little bit. You are a terrible decision maker apart from the Lord. And why is that? Is that because you're a terrible person and we hate you and we hate each other? No, it's because our flesh wants sin and we are tempted to do things that are not good for others and only selfish for us. But here's the amazing thing. When the Spirit of God takes over, when God begins to be the one who is the voice behind you saying this is the way walking it, whether you turn to the right or to the left, it's amazing the decisions you can make that ultimately honor him and bless other people. But the temptation to Eve in the garden was go around God. You make this decision. Don't listen to what the word said. His temptation was there's so much more for you to know and do if you would stop listening to what God said, not Lord God, but God, and just make this decision on your own. Make it happen for yourself. Find all the knowledge, eat from the tree, and she consumes it. This is where a lot of us live our lives, but we do it subconsciously. A lot of us live in this gray area where we're calling ourselves a Christian. We're going to church, but ultimately our decisions belong to us. We're looking for good, and we're not going to God. What does that look like? That looks like a prayerless life. If you want to know, are you doing this, do you pray about your decisions, or are you flying solo? That's what this looks like. If we don't pray about our decisions... We're calling the shots. That's a dangerous place to be. If you want to call the shots without God about career, family, finances, man, that's a scary place to be. I'm scared of that. I'll be honest. I'm very scared to make big decisions without the Lord. Why? Because what we said in point one, God is for you. God's will is for you to bring him glory. God cares about you. He loves you. And he blesses you with good things. But Eve tries to go around God. This leads us to acting on FOMO in a really, really bad way. How does that practically look? What this means is we end up going to every single social setting we can to try to never be left out. This means we try to please every single person we can in our life. This means when we see people hanging out without us, we get jealous. We get spiteful. This means when you live in this, you start placing, and I actually have a sub-point that will come up. Bruce, we can go ahead and put it up. It leads to this. Your yes and your no lose their value. They lose their value. Because what you're ultimately doing is you're saying, I'm going to give yes to all of the world. I'm going to give no to God. And I'm going to find what I need to find in the world. Your yes and your no, they lose their value. I'll tell you, even in Scripture, Jesus says, Matthew 5, verse 37, he says, let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. That's Stout. What that means is a lot of times college students are way overcommitted in their lives. They have way too many commitments. They try to say yes to everybody. They try to please everybody. And that's a slippery, slippery slope. It can be traced back to the fear of missing out. I don't want to miss out on something with somebody. I don't want to miss out on knowing something. This is why gossip is so enticing to so many people. Why? Because we don't want to be left out of the tea. We want to know the gossip. We want to know about everybody's life. And this is what leads us to it. Boy, this balloon's struggling over here. Poor fella. Doesn't like the word tonight. Sorry, right, the other balloons do. That was so stupid. Let me move on. Your yes and your no, they, they lose their value, but not just that. Not, you, not only will you find yourself overcommitted, but B, you'll expect people to give you what only God can give you. When we struggle and we live in the fear of missing out, we will find ourselves chasing after the validation and the approval of other people. That's a draining way to live. It's an exhausting way to live. You'll find yourself chasing after other people as your God and putting expectations on them that they can't meet, all because you and I don't want to miss out on something. And man, that's a dangerous place to be. So let me tell you this great truth tonight. Lord, The Lord, he absolutely loves you. The Lord is absolutely in love with you. But God convicts us of our sin and calls us out of it. God is for us, but he's not for everything we do. Him calling us out of sin is good. Even when you face conviction that you don't want to feel, that's a good gift from God that you know conviction. Why? Because that means you know Jesus. God is not withholding good from you. In fact, he loves you. He wants good for you, but ultimately, he wants Jesus for you. And some of you, man, as honestly as I can, you walked in those doors tonight, and you are focused on everything else in the world. You're focused on what people are talking about. You're focused on what they say about you. You're focused on what everybody else is doing and how you can be a part of it. And you're finding your belonging, your security, and your worth in people, and you want to know why your soul is so drained and exhausted. I'll tell you, that's why. FOMO will leave you drained and exhausted unlike any other. And the longer you and I continue to chase after that from people, the more we will be let down. Why? Because they are not the source of life. They can't offer to us what Jesus can offer. Jesus offers us everlasting life, that we would never thirst again, that we would rest in him, that truly you can be at home with your Bible open, spending time with the Lord, more secure than anybody who knows the whole world. The world can know your name. The whole world can know your name, and you can be empty. And only God can know your name and you can be more filled up than you ever thought you could be. I want to ask you, are you going to pursue that this week? Are you going to continue to live chasing after the fear of missing out? Or are you going to live in the fact that God is good, he loves you, he cares for you, and he wants good for you?